Welcome. We are live on a Friday. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network, live from our downtown Nashville 6th and Peabody studios with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. It's lonely at the top. It's lonely in the studio right now. My desk partner, my mate, Jonathan Hutton, not here. He's out. Well-deserved day off. He'll be back next week after Christmas. I am Chad Withrow and someone who's becoming very familiar to our audience, familiar to the show, Kelly Stewart. Kelly in Vegas on with us as special guest co-host again today. She's been crushing it, going through all three hours of the show <laughs> without any complaints each and every time she joins us. Kelly, how are you on this Friday? Oh, Chad, it's Friday, casual Friday. I uh, am very happy for it to finally be Christmas weekend, much deserved day off for Hutton, but I have not uh, seen you get a day off yet. So hopefully next week you enjoy your vacation. I'm going to be in Nashville in studio filling in for you, man. That, that Hutton guy sure takes a lot of vacation days. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Lately he really has. There's no doubt about it. Kelly, today I feel like it's that final day of uh, school, the half day sort of, where you're getting out for Christmas vacation or for some sort of spring break uh, where the teacher just puts a movie in and you watch the movie all day. That is my mindset. That's the vibe of today's show. It is a casual Friday, as you said it. We are going to first and foremost have a hell of a lot of fun on today's show. Looking forward to that. Trey Wallace is going to help us do that in about 15 minutes Former NFL player Lorenzo Alexander coming up in the second hour of the show. And it's a gun show at 520 Eastern time today, 420 Central. Mike Gunzelman of OutKick will up the energy with us. That's coming up later in today's show. Plenty to get to uh, on the show today, but we got to start with the biggest story of the day. And it's from Kelly's home state, or at least the state where she's located right now, Florida State is suing the ACC. Here is the official statement from the Florida State University. The Florida State University Board of Trustees today filed suit against the Atlantic Coast Conference in response to years of mismanagement that has left its member schools trapped in a deteriorating multimedia rights agreement while preventing them from joining other conferences because of, quote, draconian withdrawal penalties. The suit filed in Leon County Circuit Court says the ACC has failed to fulfill its state, stated obligations to generate substantial revenues and maximize athletic opportunities for its members. It details how the ACC's mishandling of negotiations with ESPN has deprived members of tens of millions of dollars in annual revenues and put them behind other Power Four schools in the competition for educational advancement and to appear in elite athletic championships. Now that is from Florida State. So what does the ACC have to say in response to this? Well, the ACC releases a statement after they're being sued. And this is the uh, statement from Commissioner Jim Phillips. Florida State's decision to file action against the conference is in direct conflict with their longstanding obligations and is a clear violation of their legal commitments to the other members of the conference. All ACC members including Florida State, willingly and knowingly re-signed the current grant of rights in 2016, which is wholly enforceable and binding through 2036. Each university has benefited from this agreement, receiving millions of dollars in revenue, and neither Florida State nor any other institution has ever challenged its legitimacy. This from the Atlantic Coast Conference. I have been 
one of the biggest defenders of Florida State since they were screwed out of a college football playoff spot. And read my lips when I say, like George H.W. Bush back in the day, read my lips. They were screwed by the college football playoff committee. They deserved a spot in the playoff. An undefeated Power 5 conference champion that went away from home, scheduled and beat LSU, won at Florida, did everything they did, and still accomplished a conference championship with backup quarterbacks and in the ACC championship game, a third-string quarterback that features the best defense in America being left out of the college football playoff while one-loss conference champions are in is a screw job from the college football playoff committee. But what has happened now is Florida State has gone from righteous victim to the stage mom that is deranged and when their daughter doesn't get the lead in the play, decides to try to get the entire school board fired. And then when she can't get the school board fired, she pulls her daughter out of the high school and puts her into private school. That's what Florida State is doing now. I think they've gone from righteous victim to pretty crazy response to all of this, especially considering what Jim Phillips stated in this statement. They signed the grant of rights. They knew exactly what they were getting into in 2016. I know there's some other complexities this we'll get into with Trey Wallace coming up also, that Florida State is claiming there was some sort of renewal of the grant of rights that wasn't voted on by two-thirds of the conference, and that is a breach of contract. We'll certainly discuss that. But Kelly, I look at Florida State, and I understand the complaint. I understand the desire to get into a better conference situation. But this is clearly an effort, and maybe it turns out to be the smartest thing ever. It's an effort by them to get the ACC to say, fine, you can leave without paying us $500 million or whatever the insane number is to leave the conference and go somewhere else. That may be the case, but uh, not as a news flash to me or any other Florida State fans down here in the Sunshine State. Florida State's been trying to leave here for a while. There's always been rumblings, right? When Oklahoma and Texas said they were going to go to the SEC, Florida State dipped their toe in the water and uh, elected to stay in the ACC. Here's kind of um, my question. Where are they going to go? Right? So the Pac-12 is no more. Uh, four of those teams are now part of the Big 12. The Big 10 picked up a few of those guys themselves as well as the ACC. And then the SEC just took on Texas and Oklahoma and has pretty much decided they're full. So maybe the grass might seem greener on the other side as it stands today. But next year, we have a 12-team college football playoff in which the winner of the ACC would get in. Um, I've seen lots of uh, different opinions on where Florida State would go, but I think maybe only the Big 12 would be willing to accept them at this point in time. Yeah, it, it, that is fascinating. And I think the, the initial assumption, I, I've always felt this way, Kelly, and I know you're big on this too. I think culture matters, right, in terms of a school. I mean, college sports, college football especially, one of the reasons we love it so much is there's a vibe to it. Right? It's not corporate. It's not cookie cutter. There's a feeling about being in a conference. There's a feeling about being around other like-minded schools and fan bases and feeling like geographically it makes sense, culturally it makes sense. I've always felt like Florida State and Clemson are SEC schools uh, in terms of culture. Right? Fan base-wise, football first, all, all those things. They always seem to be a little bit misplaced, honestly, in the ACC. So that does make sense for them to want to be in the SEC, but 
like you said, does the SEC want them? Do they offer enough that they want to share all the money they're getting? We know Texas and Oklahoma mattered enough to them, but does Florida State, Clemson, because those are the two I think that could pair up and bolt together. Uh, Miami is another one I'd throw in there, but I mean, what, what makes sense for Florida State is to be in a better financial situation, but does that circumstance make sense for Big Ten, SEC, because really those are the two we're talking about, right? Big 12, fine, but it's Big Ten and SEC. The, those are the two conferences that everyone wants a piece of. I, I got to I gotta backtrack you here. What's so wrong with the Big 12? Well, Do you think they don't play smash mouth football? You think we, I don't, I don't we think let they in the Deion Sanders teams of the world? They're not very good. I, I mean, don't, I don't think they I, I play guess... smash mouth finances because the Big Ten and the SEC, that, that, what, what Florida State is saying here is we don't have a personal issue with Jim Phillips or the ACC. It's a math problem. The ACC doesn't make as, as much money as the SEC that's and the fair. Big Ten. Big 12 ain't and, making as much And we know the Big 12 doesn't money. either. Then that's, and yeah, that's what think, everybody's saying. But I also think looking at the future of conferences is going to be really important, right? If they already signed a 20-year deal in 2016, what are they going to sign next, right? I think, Brett, your Mac's doing an excellent job in the Big 12 as commissioner. And you mentioned being a football conference, uh, that would be the SEC I think he's trying to make the Big 12 a basketball conference. So I would have to agree with you. I just don't really see Clemson and Florida State fitting in culturally, not only not geographically, but they just don't seem like the right fit. I do agree they would fit in well at the SEC, but the SEC just restructured everything as is. Uh, the Big Ten, I don't see them really being a, uh, a fit. And then I got to also correct you on the Florida State being the de best defense. They might have the best defensive line in college football, but we all know Michigan has the best defense. Yeah, M Michigan very good too. Um, it is funny though that we talk about strength of schedule. No one brings up that Michigan's only six, seven spots better than the Florida State from a strength of schedule standpoint. Uh, but no, no questioning Michigan is the number one team. Another problem I have with Florida State being snubbed. I, I think I that, didn't say Florida State didn't get snubbed. No, that, I, no, that never came out either. of my mouth. I would agree that an undefeated team should have got in regardless of if their starting quarterback was in or out. That is uh, a precedence that has been set plenty of times. Notre Dame got in on 2013 when they shouldn't have because K-State lost as a 13 and a half point favorite in Waco, Texas. Those types of things happen. If you win, and you went outright, you get in. And that is what's always been said. And this year, uh, they decided to change the narrative. And that, I do feel bad for Florida State, but you're absolutely right. Now it's, while there are the conversations that already been happening, the backtracking, the, the victim playing here now as uh, an excuse to leave your conference, maybe it was the nail in the coffin for them. Well, so the inevitable future of college football that I know we've talked about when you've joined us on the show here, Kelly, too, that eventually it's going to be this power, not even conference, power league that's going to exist. It's going to be about 55 to 65 programs that can afford to play at the highest level, and it's going to be Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, and then whoever else they decide to take from the ACC or, or another conference that can do it. We all know Florida State will be in that big boy group. Clemson will be. Miami will be. North Carolina will be. There will be programs in the ACC that will be fine financially to compete in that new league. My biggest question is, and this kind of goes back to the debate we're having right now about the division of the conferences. Will the individual conferences, and I'm going to put the onus on the Big Ten and SEC right now, those two conferences, um, 
will they ever actually do what is necessary and best for the sport as a whole, as opposed to only protecting self-interest? Because I don't think they're aligned in the future. I think the oh, SEC no. and Big Ten could break away and make even more money and screw over everyone else in college football and continue to collect checks from the networks more so than the other leagues and put them behind. But to me, that's not what's best for the sport. What's best for the sport is more schools to get together, revenue share, and do what's best for the fans. But I don't think the SEC and Big Ten are concerned about what's best for the fans. No, and I don't think they ever have been. I mean, we want to backtrack a few years. Let's look at the difference between what the two conferences did during the COVID season, right? Yeah. Uh, Culturally, they're not the same. I think it would be very, very difficult to get them to agree on a whole lot of anything. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, And it would take, and it's just not the Big Ten and the SEC agreeing on, you know, not going competition against each other because... What makes the most sense to me is that this is going to be a central governing body. You're going to have divisions. There's not going to be conferences anymore. You're going to have a Southeast. You're going to have a Midwest. You're going to have a Northeast, a Southwest, Midwest, all those things, just like the NFL. Someone's going to come in and set the schedules for you, but we're going to be able to keep the top programs in college football together playing for a unified national championship. But in order to get there, it's going to take the Big Ten and the SEC to agree a truce is in order and that we're going to have to stop fighting each other. And in doing so, we're going to have to allow others to have a share of the pie because that TV money, we're going to talk about ratings a little bit later. That TV money isn't infinite. It's not going to be there forever. Right. I think you, I think you have to realize uh, some of these schools have more money than God, Chad. You want to know why Mizzou and Nebraska and A&M bolted from the big 12 originally? Because they got tired of Texas telling them what to do with the Longhorn Network. And, you know, everybody said the Big 12 was going to crumble. Then they kind of built back up the pieces. When Texas and Oklahoma said they were going to bowl, it's like, oh, get ready to speak Mountain West, uh, you know, the rest of you. And that's just not what happened. I think that coming together as a collective, you're absolutely right, is the big move. You said we're going to talk about ratings later. I saw some rumblings that there may be a merger coming up between a couple of big networks, and that could be good for at least college basketball, as far as I'm concerned, come March. But I do think it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds, because if you're talking, we're going to just have divisions as opposed to conferences, or maybe we have two big conferences and four divisions on each conference, like you said, with the NFL. How many teams have to get in the college football playoff? What are we doing? Like, I mean... It's going to change. It's going to have to be a 2014 playoff at that point. I mean, what, if you win your division, you get a, at least a wild card spot to have a chance to get into the playoffs. Then it becomes a little too much um, not like college football, right? We have 13 games these guys play a year. If they're lucky enough, they get into a bowl game. 14 games for some of these kids is a lot. You know, they're also going to school. They also have other aspirations. So you kind of have to wonder also – the landscape with NIL money, with the transfer portal. We we're starting to see kids stay in college an extra year because they know they can make more money than the NFL. They're going to start asking for more money every single year. I mean, we've already seen uh, very obvious, I'll call it tampering in the uh, transfer oh, yeah. portal. Little side note, but there's nobody there to regulate it. I mean, th- I think college football as a whole right now is just the wild, wild west. 
Well, and a bigger topic for another day. I don't think many conferences or sports keep in mind what fans ultimately want. Uh, first and foremost, and they should do more of that. You and I are both big college basketball fans. I don't want them to touch college basketball and conferences in college basketball. I think it's fine the way it is, but football is going to drive the ship, and something is possibly going to have to change there. I think will change some point soon. We'll talk to Trey Wallace about it with Outkick.com. He's coming up next. We are back. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow. Having a great time coming to you live downtown Nashville, 6th and Peabody Studios with Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer, Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas doing a terrific job co-hosting with us once again. Jonathan Hutton once again on vacation today. He'll be back next week. Kelly will be in studio next week. Trey Wallace from Outkick.com, senior college football writer for the website on with us right now. You never know what kind of backdrop you're going to have with Trey. Every time he comes on, He's a world traveler. He's a man of many interests, a renaissance man, some would say. Never know where you're going to find him. And once again, we have a different backdrop today. Trey, how are things going? You know what, man? It's it's my fault. You know what I mean? Like, I, I thought this whole setup would be fine at the, at the rent's house, you know, getting ready for Christmas. And then it turns out that my parents wanted to go overboard and there's weird lighting in here. So whatever. It is what it is. Well, I should have just gone and done this hit down on the river, to it, be honest. It with looks you. like a nice spot that your parents have there. So don't need to apologize at all. It's a terrific backdrop you have. Um, <laughs> it, it is what it is. <laughs> so, Trey, it's become as the Seminole turns now. Um, starting with the snub of the College Football Playoff Committee and now suing the ACC. We know there, there's been rumblings about this for a while. They were very vocal about it, wanting a bigger share of the revenue pie from the ACC before they were going to leave. Is this simply a move to sue the ACC to see if the ACC will just let them bolt without get, making them pay all the money they would need to pay in order to leave? You know, I, I, think, it, I think it all, you know, it, it, maybe you can look at it as – some sort of money situation. But then you look at what the ACC did yesterday, Chad, when they preemptively filed their own lawsuit against the Florida State Board of Trustees, knowing this was coming this morning. And I, and I think that, you know, I think that surprised some folks because you look at the, you look at how this thing played out, you know, regarding social media and whatnot this morning. We had the, the you know, I was we were all watching. Uh, there were 4,000 people watching this, this Board of Trustees I don't know, press conference or meeting, whatever you want to call it. I'll call it a meeting um, this morning. And, and then you look at it all of a sudden an hour later, some reporter from, from North Carolina, and I hate I'm messing her name up here, but she tweets out, but wait a minute, <laughs> look at here. Look what was filed yesterday uh, in the state of North Carolina. You know, it was a lawsuit. It was a preemptive. I think that where we're at right now in college football and the ACC is that they are – Hardened in their ways, the conference is when it comes to this grant of rights. And, and they feel like that they have uh, every advantage when it comes to, okay, Florida State, you're screwed till 2036. You, you're, you're, you got to stick with us here. You, you can't leave us. And, and, and the biggest thing that stands out is how, to me on the Florida State side, Jed, is how Florida State went after how the media deal was put into place going back with ESPN and, and talking, you know, in their brief, their 38-page brief that I finally got done reading after like two hours, they finally set it up in a spot where, okay, we don't think this was done in good faith, meaning, okay, that they, they thought that there was some shadiness behind the deal when it happened in 2016 
that would extend it. What and, and what I'm talking about here is Florida State, when they agreed to the new grant of rights deal, they agreed to the extension of the grant of rights. Florida State is saying that this was done without a two-thirds vote from their athletic directors at Florida State and other schools. So that, okay, this deal, it shouldn't have been in place. It should have been extended. So we're getting it right now, and you're kind of wondering, like, you know, I don't know if the money grab situation or trying to get out of the conference. Like we all saw the press conference or the, or the same meeting three months ago, four months ago, where you had all these trustee members and a former quarterback and Weatherford on there, and, and they're just blasting the conference. And, and they're talking about, okay, hey, we have to get out. We have to get out now. What, what a perfect opportunity, Chad, when Florida State gets left out of the college football playoff. What a great opportunity is to come out, you know, Right before the holidays. By the way, this was all like perfectly planned. Like this, you do this on a Friday before Christmas, and then a week before the bowl games that really matter start in the college football playoff. It was perfect timing, and I think we're gonna when we break this thing down, it's gonna be a long court battle. This is not something they're just going to settle in in a mediation room, Chad. I think this thing is, has legs, and I'm. I'm actually excited because I, I want to see what discovery brings because I want to see the emails, the text messages, and everything that comes with it. it. Right now, I don't feel like Florida State has much of a case just from what I'm seeing because of the right. main uh, – the, the headliner from the Jim Phillips statement was you signed it in 2016 just like everyone else. So you knew what you were getting into then and you have a financial obligation to the conference. But I will say Florida State does make some interesting points and Drew Weatherford I know talked about this. Trey, it's awfully suspicious that the league treats that grant of rights agreement like the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they won't let anyone go in and view them or take photos of it without an official there looking over their shoulder. Uh, That's a little bit odd when you're talking about a grant of rights media contract and the way the ACC treats it. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of National Treasure, the movie, yeah. where you cannot get to the Declaration of Independence, and there's always somebody watching. Let's get That's Nick Cage on the case. Maybe maybe he can yeah, go and decipher what's I going mean, on. I mean, maybe it could. Like, and he may... Trey, you muted yourself, I think. There you was, go. You're good. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm you're sorry. Good. No, Weatherford knew about that, and that's the thing. Like, He knew the steps in Greensboro that it took to see this. He was asking these questions to make it public. Like it was really smart on his behalf to be able to do that. So, and it is weird, man. This thing is locked up in Greensboro, North Carolina, in in a room where literally you have to go in, you have to check in, you have to give your badge, you give your ID. Then you have to, they bring out this grant of rights and they set it at this table and your attorneys are able to look over it. There's no timetable or anything like that. But there is somebody from the conference that is standing over in the corner and they're watching you. You better not pull out your phone. You better not trap, grab some kind of screen grab or whatnot or shoot a picture because you literally, you'll get in trouble. This is all part of the agreement. Like the, the punishment for this stuff is wild. So, the, and the fact that it's not been made public, like I think that's another thing too. Like we know what the Big Ten is pretty much making from Fox, we know what the SEC is making from ESPN. Now, if we want to get down to the every single little detail, okay, whatever. That's probably, you know, you'd have to dig for that, but you can request it and you can find it. The ACC has done such a darn good job, in my opinion, of, of keeping this thing under locks that we have not really been able to say, 
okay, what is in this? How hard is it to get out of this grant of rights deal? And the fact that Florida State, you know, by way of submitting a legal claim, they were able to put out the grant of rights deals from previous years. It just goes to show you, man, this is this, a lot of this is for show. A lot of this is going to be to agitate the folks on the other side, Chad, and, and get back and forth with each other. But at the end of the day, Florida State's trying to get out of the conference. And right now, they have nowhere to go at the moment. And, and I'm very interested to see who opens their arms up in a year or two because the SEC's, the SEC's good right now. I talked to an SEC source an hour ago, and they were like, okay, Florida State's not coming here for the time being. We don't want them. We're good. You think ESPN's going to come back and give us more money just because we're adding Florida State? It's not going to happen. So I, I just feel like right now I think it's a big tenor bust uh, for Florida State. Kelly? Yeah, Trey, I have to kind of wonder, though. So we know this is going to be a long, drawn-out process if Florida State does get a leave. And Chad kind of alluded to, hey, look, they don't want to pay their buyout. But is there a right. world where they can negotiate a lesser buyout where the ACC says, all right, here you go. You want to leave so bad. This is what we need. And this is our final offer to, to walk. Or is that not really going to be able to be feasible for Florida State? Here, here's where it gets interesting for me is, is if we get to a spot where we start the process of seeing emails, text messages, uh, correspondence from either side, uh, correspondence from other ACC schools. I mean, this is, this is going to, because this is not just going to be Florida State at the end of the day. You're going to see other schools try to join into this situation. Do they want their laundry out there? That's my biggest thing. Does the ACC want their dirty laundry out there? That's my other thing. Is that if we get to a point now, and if we can get to, you know, I, I spoke with a Florida State official, you know, right after the, the meeting was over, and, and and I asked, you know, kind of what's the end game here? And the end game is you're kind of on it, Kelly, is the, the money that is cost to get out of this deal and to get to another one. You have to remember, it's grant of rights money. And it's exit fees. It's not just, you know, one or the other. You have to, you know, and, and can't, I, can't, I can't blame the ACC for trying to get their money when it comes to Florida State because they're such a big school and, and a moneymaker for the conference. But when it comes down to it, yeah, I, I think that we're going to see. I, I think we're going to have a conversation probably seven or eight, nine months from now where all sides have agreed to a resolution I think you're going to see a, a financial figure. Um, it's not we're going to be $572 million. That's that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I, I don't see how that comes into play. I do think they probably get it around, you know, $100, $150 million towards the end. And everybody's going to go their separate ways. And they're going to be fine. And Florida State will add another school or two if they need to. But I think right now, that money figure just doesn't make sense. A half a billion dollars. Trey Wallace with us. Froze up there a little oh, bit. He's back. Go ahead, yeah. Trey. You froze up just for a sec. You're fine. No, I'm I'm so I'm just saying, Chad, the other schools, look at them around the country with their realignment and look at the fees that they're having to pay. Compare that to Florida State. It's wild to see where we are in college football. 
Yeah, that's funny, Trey, that you said that because I texted my Seminole alumni buddy this morning. I said, man, I hope you guys have some Saudi money because that's what it's going to take <laughs> to get out of the ACC. He said, nah, I don't, I don't think it'll even take a quarter of that. So to hear you collaborate, that's really interesting. Do you think we have maybe another Pac-12 situation on our hands where we could just see the conference collapse completely? It depends on who wants to roll with them and, and leave. Does, does, does Clemson want to get out? You know, Clemson's kind of safe right now. They're in that safe factor. They're making their money. Uh, they're paying their bills. Clemson is is Clemson has been the face of the ACC. Let's be honest. Before Florida State kind of made this little run again, uh, they started playing good football. Um, we hadn't talked about basketball and softball and all the other sports. You know, Miami too is in a spot where Miami doesn't know their place in college football right now because they've been absent from it for so long. You know, if they can get back to that point where they're playing good football on a on a weekly basis and your program is getting better in a whole that's what i'm trying to get at then then maybe have that conversation but yes you know there 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 are people you know like virginia tech north carolina north carolina state you know those type of schools yeah they would want to jump but you also have to look at it too it's like okay would you rather stay in the ACC and make this amount of money if ESPN could maybe up the ante a little bit? Or you want to go join the SEC where you're going to be sixth or seventh every single year, no matter what, because of the talent that's in that conference. And the same thing goes for the Big Ten. So it, it's going to come down to what universities feel like that they're, they're worth and what universities want to deal with over the next 20 to 30 years. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. This all this stuff is going to change in 10 years anyway. Somebody's going to complain. They're going to get more money from ESPN and Disney and Fox and whatnot. And we're going to be doing this little rokey doke for the next 20 years. It's obvious. Can't wait for the press conference announcing Greg Norman as the new AD at Florida State based on Kelly's oh idea. God. Here we go. We got the money now. We're going we're gonna to go wherever we want. Uh, <laughs> Matt Brown is currently coaching in uh, the ACC. So is Dave yeah. Doran. Uh, Mac Brown, who just seems like the classy old Southern gentleman senator, the, the way he talks to people and conducts press conferences, I love yeah. it when he gets fired up. And he's fired up about Dave Doran calling his team, quote, pieces of bleep uh, to his team in the locker room after they, they beat them. I, 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 I don't know why, Matt. I, yeah, well, the classes thing is is kind of the the through it. I don't know why Mac Brown gets so upset over this. I mean, it, it was the ACC network cameras that caught Dave Duran in the locker room, and he, you know, he said, you know, it's been one thousand four hundred and some odd days uh, since those pieces of blank have beat us, and it's like, okay, do you know what is said in a locker room? Like that's being mild nature. That that's that's not even the t- that's PG compared to getting up to TVMA when it comes to locker room talk. God, I've heard that word before in the last three years. I can't believe I brought that up. But getting to the point, when we're looking at Mac Brown, Mac Brown gets on his horse and like, you know what, I just I find that classless. You know, it's he's like one of those Southern attorneys you'd find somewhere in a small town in Mississippi, you know, where he's getting agitated over just the dumbest little bitty things. And I think it was because North Carolina – on their platform, National Signing Day, somebody tees up the question, and I'm sure that question, somebody in that room was asked, you know, hey, can you tee this up for Mac Brown where he can knock out Dave Duran? I, I just think it's it's college football. It's recruiting. There was more to that. It's, it's what we love about Dave it Durant. too, Trey. Hey, Trey, sorry, we're running out of time, but 
Uh, yeah, yeah, it's what we love about the sport is bad blood like that. Now we've got it with North Carolina, NC State. Trey, appreciate you, brother. Merry Christmas uh, with the family. Enjoy your time, and we'll talk to you again next week. Happy holidays, guys. Thanks for having me, and talk to you all soon. NFL ratings are up. Everyone else's ratings are down. We'll discuss when we come back. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Welcome back. We are back on Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow in our downtown Nashville, 6th and Peabody studio with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Kelly Stewart, guest co-hosting today. Check out her show also, The Fade, with Kelly and Clay Travis weekly as part of the Outkick Network. That'll get you ready for the week the weekend, and probably make you a little bit of money also. But only if you listen to Kelly and not Clay. Although Clay's blood bank guarantees have been quite profitable so far this year. Am I right in saying that, Kelly? No, Clay's had a very good year. Uh, We didn't start the show until week five of the NFL. We're a little behind on some things. But Clay was rocking and rolling there early. His blood bank guarantees have been very good. And now I'm going to say the little asterisk park, and that's because the NFL has been so square this year. Uh, Yesterday, I had uh, Todd Furman on in place of the Australian Clay Travis. Yes, he is on vacation in Australia. So we talked a little bit longer, really broke down some of the games. You guys want to go check that out on the Outkick YouTube channel. Todd's one of the best. Uh, I I watched it, and you guys crushed it. Um, And a longer show also with Todd and not Clay. I know that's no surprise uh, for those that, uh, that know you guys. So you talked about the NFL there, Kelly, and while it's been a bad year for offense, and I think overall the product has been worse this year to watch in the NFL, people are still watching. The ratings are having no problem. This from an article by Richard Deitch at The Athletic. NFL games are averaging 17.48 million viewers this season. That's across TV and digital platforms. That's excluding international games. That's an 8% year-over-year increase from this time last year, which is huge in the TV ratings game. 8% increase from last year. Monday Night Football is up 24% over last year. That is a direct result of more games on ABC and not just ESPN. Amazon is up 23%, which is a staggering increase. NBC is averaging 21.8 million viewers uh, on Sunday Night Football. Everything is up, up, up. I think Fox has four of the five most watched shows, uh, most watched uh, games of the season also. And Kelly, I'm trying to figure out why the NFL seems to be impenetrable from an outsider's perspective of viewership and how it really is America's obsession, seemingly. And the reasons that they point to in this article, and there's a couple of ratings experts on, Bigger market, bigger brand teams being the best teams in the league, namely Philly, Dallas, San Francisco, Buffalo always being a good TV draw. But the one I know that uh, got our attention when I saw it was the Taylor Swift factor. That Kansas City Chiefs games that she attends, ratings are sky high for those games. Are you buying the, the Swifty factor for NFL viewership this year? I think there's a magnitude of factors. Let's talk about the writer's strike, right? Last year, as a gambler, halftime, game's not going so well. Let's put on House of Dragons. Let's put on Yellowstone. Let's put on reruns of The Office because anything was better than what I was watching on my television go haywire 
towards my gambling account. I actually think gambling um, being involved in more states. Remember, Florida came on board. That's another 37 potential million customers. Yes, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs games are going to draw more eyeballs. Just in case your 13-year-old daughter gets a second to see Taylor Swift. Uh, But I think that that is really just an isolated thing for those Kansas City Chiefs games, right? Depending on who they're playing, and especially in prime time when there's nothing else on to watch. It's amazing to me that, A, a, football fans are going to watch the football game no matter what, right? The the NFL. People like us, we're going to tune in. But the idea that someone would tune into a football game to see a pop megastar, albeit a billionaire pop performer, international superstar, maybe the biggest celebrity in the world, probably the biggest celebrity in the world, but to get a glimpse of that person in a in a in a suite, in a luxury suite during the game, celebrating bombs. Well, you can go and watch the Eras concert tour movie right now if you want. You can go on YouTube and watch any music video of Taylor Swift. It's just fascinating to me that you want to see Taylor Swift, as you said, dropping an F bomb. Uh, at a game, uh, that's that's weird to me that people are drawn to it. And the fact that it, I'm actually reading stories about younger people becoming Chiefs fans and football fans because of the Taylor Swift connection is wild to me. I can see that. Young girls needing a connection with their dads on Saturday evening. They're so used to them sitting on the couch. And now all of a sudden they have a reason to want to sit there. And then maybe they get a little more intrigued about the game. Maybe they ask some questions. I could see it translating to Kansas City Chief fandom. Uh, albeit this is probably the wrong time to jump on the bandwagon. But uh, we'll, we'll see how it kind of goes for them over the next few years with Patrick Mahomes at least in locked up in a long-term contract. Well, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, he went on CBS this morning, interviewed by Nate Burleson on that show, of course, former NFL wide receiver. And he says essentially that Taylor Swift has been adopted by Chiefs Kingdom and she's a part of the team now. And that at first it was a little bit odd that no one knew how to talk about it. But then Travis Kelsey started bringing her around the team more. They started talking about it more. Now Brittany Mahomes is besties with Taylor Swift. And and suddenly Patrick Mahomes is all for it and said, you know, she's basically a part of the team right now. Keller, are Anything you to keep his wife in line. Yeah. You know, I'm happy. She has just been <laughs> on her best behavior since now she's in the limelight with Taylor. You love to see it. Yeah, she's one to be friends with Taylor Swift. No, no doubt about that. Are you buying the, the Taylor Swift uh, and Travis Kelsey long-term future? If, if it's a gambling market, we're, we're in a betting market right now, Kelly. Are you buying these two crazy kids making it for the long haul? For a publicity stunt? Sure, why not? I'm sure now they have to kind of ride this one out. I'm sure that, you know, look, there's no coincidence that Travis fired his PR team and then started doing Bud Light commercials and Pfizer commercials and then starts dating Taylor Swift. I mean, those are not coincidences, Chad. Uh, Do I think it's going to be for the long haul? Like, are they going to get married? Uh, If I had to be a, a, put a line on that, I'd say no minus 5,000. Are they going to get through the 2024 election? Yeah, I bet they do. Well, what's hilarious is, um, so (laughs) Taylor Swift, this is what I find fascinating because talking to you about this, you know, you're going back and, and saying, well, Travis Kelsey with who he's been with before doesn't make a lot of sense with Taylor Swift. And I would agree with that. Clay Travis, who we have on, says the opposite. He has no idea why Taylor Swift would ever be with Travis Kelsey, who Clay says at best is a pro wrestler when he's done. And she is a billionaire global icon. So why would she want to be with Travis Kelsey? 
I'll push back on this idea of publicity because if Taylor Swift wanted publicity, she could be with a lot of other people that would generate that publicity. And why I actually think there's a, a God's honest attraction here, right? I think oftentimes, you know, people maybe, yeah, everybody has their type, but they want to break away from that at some point. Taylor Swift has been dating nothing but 135-pound British actors for the longest time now. So the idea of being with a six foot four, 250-pound NFL tight end is probably appealing. I think Travis Kelsey has a pretty funny personality. We saw it when he hosted SNL. We've seen it at different times in commercials. So I think the personality is there for Travis Kelsey. So I think that's why Taylor Swift is drawn to him. Now, to your point, on the flip side, I think it's simply it's the biggest star on the planet. So there's going to be some appeal there for Travis Kelsey. I think it's legit. I don't know if they're going to make it long term, but I think they're legitimately together. Oh, I think they're legitimately together for now. But again, yes, it's uh, very easy for him to to go out there and do this for publicity. Her, of course not. Did you see the viral clip yesterday or the day before? The woman from East LA that claims to be a feminist, dated men and women, went out with like a guy's guy, right? Like manly guy, goes to the gym, lifts weights, wouldn't let her pay for anything. And she's like losing her mind on TikTok. She and hated it's like, it, I'm sure. No, she Loved is obsessed it. with the guy. And it mm. has just completely flipped her. She told her friend she was feral over him. And uh, I find it very interesting because I think that's exactly what you said about Taylor Swift. She's used to dating the John Mayers of the world that are so artistic and so this, but they don't have that toxic masculinity that women actually crave. We know Charlie talks about it on her show all the time. Uh, back in one of my former other careers, if you will, I did an interview with the CEO and she said, what do you love most? And I said, I love toxic masculinity. Women by nature are drawn to that. And we've been uh, lied to, if you will, to think that it's something that's bad. That's exactly, Travis is not a good guy. Travis has, I, the rumors I have heard about Mr. Kelsey out of Kansas City, good for him. Cause I would do the same thing in his position. That being said, He's a guy's guy. He's going to smash beers when they win the Super Bowl. He's going to yell things in the mic. He is going to pick her up and spin her around and make her feel like she is truly like mush in his arms, right? And no, the other guys she's ever dated, they can't do that for her. No, we're talking about like British theater veterans uh, that she's been with, that she's taller th than most of them. So again, I can see the appeal from that standpoint. I think everything you're saying is, is spot on. Um, you know, man, uh, I feel like a woman, I guess, is what uh, Taylor <laughs> Swift is saying, to, to quote the great Shania Twain. Um, the Chargers job is going to be one that everyone thinks is great simply because of the quarterback, right, Kelly? And the Vegas favorite think. right now to land the Chargers job, none other, and I'm raising my hand saying, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm sprinting from Michigan with this level one violation, with everything going on with Connor Stallions, I am sprinting to the NFL. If I'm him, well, Vegas thinks that he may be sprinting to L.A. to be the Chargers' next coach, plus 200 as the favorite right now. Yeah, I got to hate. I hate to break it to you. Vegas is not allowed to place those uh, odds. Oh, okay. So, this is uh, offshore? Something that, yes. A lot of people don't realize um, things I, that I can have inside information, right? So they actually did hang uh, Where Will Tom Brady Go? Remember a few years ago before he went to the Buccaneers and all of a sudden the line just plummeted and uh, went off the board and Vegas said, all right, 
we're not doing these things anymore that where you can get intel and people can come here and uh, take advantage of. So I'm going to go ahead and guess this is an offshore. At least I haven't seen a Vegas casino hang it. But yeah, absolutely. I did a, a social post back in October when I first started with OutKick. And they said, you know, what are you going to do if you're Har- Harbaugh? How are you going to uh, beat these allegations? I said, he's not. He's just going to pull a Pete Carroll and go be the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Last week, you and I, you know, dabbled with, will it be Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick, second on the list here, just a slight underdog to Jim Harbaugh. I could see both of these guys being front runners or having it be a two-horse race, rather, to be the new head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. And reports are that he's been offered the extension from Michigan, a raise, they will protect him, to the death from the NCAA, basically a lifetime contract. But the, the one exception is that he can't go interview for NFL jobs. And I'm thinking there's a reason he hasn't signed that extension right now, because he knows he's going to want to entertain NFL jobs this offseason. I am in a thousand percent agreement with you on this one, Kelly. I think he's gone. I think it's in his best interest to be gone. Uh, I think it's great that Michigan's willing to stand by their man to this point. But you also have to venture that question, is the drama worth it? Now, if they win a national title this year, yeah, it's worth it. He won you a national title. I think every Michigan fan would sign up for that. But if making the playoff and not winning the national title but constantly being embroiled in controversy, is that ultimately going to wear thin with Michigan supporters? I think so. I think there is a law of diminishing return. By the way, Belichick you mentioned, plus 300. Ben Johnson, who's a very popular name with NFL jobs, Lions offensive coordinator, plus 400. Kellen Moore, plus 500 Ooh. for the Chargers job. Um, I want to talk about this with you a- another time, Kelly, but we always rate jobs in college sports, and we love to put rankings out of this job's better than that one or this job's better than this one. So much in the NFL is just aligned around the quarterback that people only want to look at that for job purposes. Do people care about being like fourth fiddle in L.A.? and having nothing but opposing fans at your games if you're the Chargers? Do you care about bad ownership? Because Dean Spanos, the Spanos family, have not been the best owners of that team also. I think there are other factors we can put in there uh, for other jobs that may be appealing to some, not all, and the Chargers probably will be the best available job because of Justin Herbert, but we'll definitely get into that another time. We're also going to get into a little bit later, Ryan Clark, former Pittsburgh Steeler player for Mike Tomlin, is saying on ESPN that it's time for Tomlin to bolt. Time for Tomlin to leave uh, that job. We'll talk about that and more. We may even talk to Lorenzo Alexander about that. 15-year NFL veteran, former Buffalo Bill, among others. Lorenzo Alexander hopping on the show next. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network.